Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Holiday, a practical guide for making the holidays holy days. And we are in the 50s now. We're actually on day 56. And um, if you're just joining us, welcome. It's great to have you. And if you've been doing this since day 70, you've actually been doing this for 14 days. Is that crazy? I mean, I, I was a little taken aback by that. Like, wow, feels like it's just flown by. But I don't know where you are with your commitments. I may not even know what they are. If you've posted them on Facebook, um, great. If you've posted it, I'm praying for it. So post your commitments to God and I will pray for you every day. But regardless, I don't know where you are. We all have a little bit different, you know, idea of what success is anyway. Some of us who are perfectionists, if we fall off our commitment for one day, we're like, you know, I'm doomed. <laughs> if it's not 100%, it's not worth it. And then others of us have this sort of, you know, failure complex where we, you know, just can't even seem to crawl out from one day. But wherever you are, I want to encourage you just to get back up. You know, if you've fallen off, get back up. The only thing that you can do wrong is to quit. Every time we fail, we are actually making a step forward because we can learn from our failure. You're never starting from scratch. You're always going back and starting from experience. <laughs> you can look at it and you can go, why did I, so what's, what am I believing? What's the lie I'm believing? Or why am I stumbling? Or what's causing this to not work? Whatever it is, you're gonna learn from it. So you're not going back to square one. It feels like it. Satan wants you to believe you are, but you're never going back to square one. You're always starting back from experience. So I just want you to get back up, press restart, and get get go back to it today. Um, you know, we've been talking about this whole time about how to learn to listen to God, how to hear His voice better. And last time we got into learning how to make, um, how to grow in our dialogue with God, so that we're speaking and He's listening and we're having this conversation. And we we started learning that through the Psalms of Ascent, which were written for the Hebrews to the Israelites as they were making their journey back to Jerusalem for each of the High Holy Days. And we're going to use that as sort of a framework for us as we make our ascent, the Songs of Ascent, back in, uh, forward into the year 2020. But today we're going to take a step off of the Psalms of Sin. We're going to go back to Psalm 3. And I want to do this for a few reasons. One is that, um, you know, this is really just a sort of, a, you know, a, a video log of my life. This is me living out loud, and this is what God has brought me back to. This is what I'm really working through, and I'm, I'm hoping to live out loud and help, and, 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 and hoping it will help you to glean from it. Um, but this is also where my journey began with the Psalms, with Psalm 3. I watched a lesson that Tim Mackey did, and it was called um, Praying Through Your Fears. I encourage you to, to watch it. A lot of this will be from it. I want to give him complete credit. But, you know, it's also my journey. It's not it's not his. So it's a little different. But if you want more, then, then look at that. But it's this idea of praying through your fears. Now, there are many Psalms about, the, uh, about praying through your fears. And, in fact, all the 50s and 60s are about praying through your fears and I encourage you if you are at a fearful time in your life to go through them all and rewrite them all and make it personal um some of my favorite you know greatest hits from the bible are from the 50s and 60s um, I wanted to read Psalm 56 one of my favorite quotes is you keep track of all my sorrows you've collected my tears in your bottle you've recorded each one in your book and in Psalm 57 another one favorite is I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. And at various times in my life, these have instructed me and these have helped me specifically at very specific times. But I wanted to do Psalm 3 basically because it's short, it's concise, and for the purposes of a video, I think it serves us well. It's very compact, but it's very powerful. So let's just start here. At the beginning, it says a Psalm of David regarding the time when David fled 
from his son Absalom. And I just want to take a moment to say, anytime you have some direction in the psalm that tells you why the psalm was written, it will help you so much and it will enrich your experience to be able to go back and read about that time in David's life. Um, somewhere in 2 Samuel, I'm sure it is, you can read about it. Because basically what God's doing is he's saying, remember this time that David was, <laughs> that David was going through this? Well, this is how he handled it. This is how he got through it. And so God is trying to help us to take these specific times where we can model ourselves after how somebody else that has gone before us um, has actually handled that time. And it's very instructive and it will enrich your experience to know how he handled that specific time. Um, this time in David's life, very much mirrors the time in my life. So that's why it's been significant for me. But um, even if you can't go back, it's okay. It's still going to be instructive for you because that's how, that's just how the Bible is. It's magic. It's amazing. <laughs> it can help you no matter where you are in your life. But let's just start reading in verse one. It says, Oh Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying God will never rescue him. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. I cried to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. Okay, so let's go back and let's go on this journey. This psalm is a journey. Um, it starts in the beginning. Let's just talk about what jumps out. I, I know what jumps out to me is so many, so many, so many. Three times um, David is saying, don't you see all these troubles that I have? So many things are going wrong. So many people are against me. And we know that with his situation, there was actual armies coming against him. People were literally trying to take his life. And that may not be true for us, you know, it may not be that severe, but it feels that way. It feels very dramatic. You know, there's another psalm in the Bible where it says, you know, I have so many troubles or, or I have so many fears that they outnumber the hairs on my head. And, you know, I don't know if that's accurate, but I have felt that way. <laughs> that certainly feels that way. And in other Psalms, David will actually take the time to specifically name these fears. You know, this person is against me, and this person is lying, and these people are spreading slander, and, you know, this person used to be my friend, and they're, you know, they betrayed me, and all this stuff. He will really lay it out. And I encourage you to do that. I did that this morning. I was writing out all my fears, fears. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid. I just want to get it out. You know, you're taking captive those thoughts, and you're putting them on that page, and you're putting it out there so that God can help you work through it. But I think... In these sentences, there's even more than just, the, the, even more than fear here. And it's this last sentence where he says, so many are saying God will never rescue him. And this is an, ad, ad, an attack on his identity. You know, it's important to remember who David was. Here he, he, here he starts off as this shepherd boy, this, you know, lowly shepherd boy, actually the least in his family. But God chooses him. And that shepherd boy goes up against a giant pretty soon, you know, he's, he's up against a giant saying, you know, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the ranks of the living God? You know, I'm going to kill this guy because I believe in God. Where is God? You know, his relationship with God is so tight and, 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 and so beautiful that God calls him. He's a man after his own heart. He says, this is the guy. You know, you may look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. I want this guy. And God believes in him so much that he raises him up to be the greatest king that Israel has ever had. You know, this is a total rags to riches story. But that's not the David that we're finding right here. That's not the David. That's not how he's feeling here. 
we find a David who is suffering the consequences of many sins. He has failed miserably in many ways. He has made bad decisions. And at this point, this is low. You know, he has already sinned with Bathsheba. He has committed adultery. He has murdered her husband. He's, he's committed murder. He has, um, you know, this exact story is his son is rising up against him to take the throne away from him. He has, and the reason that he's doing that is because he killed his brother. <laughs> Why did Absalom kill his brother? Because his brother had raped his sister. And in part, he's rising up against his dad because he feels that my dad won't do anything about it. So here we find David, he's failed. His family is falling apart. So he's feeling, I'm, I'm a complete failure as a father. Um, my kingdom is falling apart. I'm a failure as a leader now. I thought I was a great leader, but who am I? You know, I, I, his very kingdom is in question. His kingship is in question. So he is ripe for this attack on his identity. And if you haven't gone through this in your life yet, you will. I know this definitely has been the last year of my life. Is Satan has been calling into question my very identity. Like, who, what, who am I? <laughs> He's, you know, I'm ripe for the attacks of Satan. And you're going to have these times in your life where Satan is going to call into question your identity. You know, who is David if he's not a great king? Who is David if he doesn't have a great family? But in this moment of attack on his identity, what does he do? He says, but, and you know, I always tell my kids, find the buts in the Bible. I always pay attention. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. And the first thing that David does in this psalm, I think, is it, it takes it away from the horizontal. You know, he's hearing all these accusations. Satan is speaking accusation, accusation, accusation through these people, all of his enemies. But his very family has turned against him. Even his family is accusing him. Even his best friends, they've turned against him. They're shouting these accusations at him. And he takes it away from this horizontal, and he goes, but I don't know. I don't know what's truth, and I don't know what's lies. I don't know what's accusation. I don't know where my identity, but I'm taking it back to God. He brings it up to the vertical, and that's the first thing that we have to do is get out of the horizontal and go, no, 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 okay, I don't know. I can't sort through all that, but what I do know is that God. And the next three sentences are, but you, but you, but you. It starts off with so many people, so many, so many, but now it's no, but you, oh God, you are going to rescue me. You are my shield. And the other thing I notice here is that he starts to use this really beautiful imagery. And you know, something I've been learning because I've been listening to those BAME podcasts I told you about is the difference in Eastern thinking and Western thinking. You know, he, he talks about how you ask a Westerner, how would you describe God? And a Westerner is going to use words. So it's going to, God is omniscient. He's om, omnipotent or he's loving or he's kind. It's, it's these words that describe God that with these exact meanings. And we're trying to describe him exactly with our many words. But the Hebrew language is different. It uses imagery. You ask a Hebrew, well, how would you describe God? And we would say God is a fortress. He is eagle's wings. You know, it, it helps you to think and feel and picture who God is. And here he's saying God is a shield. You, O oh Lord, are my shield. And you have to think about what a shield means. A shield protects. It protects what is important. It protects the vital parts of us. But a shield also assumes that we are in a battle. A shield is something you have to pick up. 
It's something that you have to remember. <laughs> it's not just on you all the time. The shield is something that you hide behind because you expect that you are going into a battle. You accept that life, that today is going to bring problems, that today is going to bring a, be a battle. But you're okay with that because you know that God is a shield around you. He's going to protect you. And this helps you to stop asking for your circumstances to change. I don't need you to stop the battle, God. I don't need you to stop the storm. I would like that, but as long as you need this test to go on, as long as you need the storm to go on, I'm good. Change me. Stop asking for God to change the circumstances. And once you get to that point where you go, God, I don't need you to change the circumstances. I just need you to change me. Then we understand what that shield is. We are safe in here. We're, our our um, future and our happiness and all of this doesn't depend on God changing anything about our surroundings, but it's merely protecting us while he changes us. That's the first imagery. Then the second thing he says is, you are my glory. And, you know, Tim Mackey goes into this long explanation about the Hebrew word kavod and, and all that. You know, he's better at that. I'll leave that to him. I don't think, I don't even have to search for the Hebrew word. I, I know what glory is. You know, glory, unfortunately, uh, what I think of every time I hear that word is, is a scene from Nacho Libre that's so embarrassing, but where he just goes, don't you want just a taste, just a taste of the glory? And he's talking about how he wants to be able to stand up in front of people and flex his muscles, and he wants people to worship him. He wants people to, you know, be, he wants to be admired. You know, he wants the glory. We know what glory is, certainly, and every American knows what it means to have glory. And I really do think that this is what, what happened to David somewhere along the way is that he got off. And even though he had started with God and giving God all the glory and everything was about God, somewhere, maybe imperceptibly, he had slipped into taking the credit for himself. Maybe the glory was his. I mean, it does say that when at the time when kings go off to war, he stayed at home. I mean, at some point, maybe he had shifted into getting the glory or the credit for himself. And he's resetting himself here. He's saying, no, <laughs> I got to reset. You are my glory. You are everything. You know, and I think that um, that this definitely has happened to me and that I, I have to, I've had to analyze over the last year, like, have I been taking credit? Am I taking credit for where my family is or, or my, where my ministry is? Or have I been some way getting the glory from that? And I think even God will test that. I feel like he, he will strip that. He has stripped that away from me in many ways, like, like a bare tree, you know. A tree has to lose its leaves in the autumn, and it has to become bare so that it can, you know, uh, it can be beautiful in the spring again. And allowing God to strip all that way, all that away, it reminds me of, um, at one point I had said something about, you know, if you want to know if something's an idol, give it up. Just give it up, and you'll know right away <laughs> if you're craving it, how much you need it. You know, you'll know if it's become an idol to you. And I think that our position in life, our, our, our titles, <clears throat> you know, David's kingship was coming into question. You know, who, who was he if he wasn't king? And I think it's good for God to strip away our titles sometimes. Who am I if I'm not a leader? Who am I if I'm not a great mom? Or if I'm not a, you know, uh, you know uh, if, if my family isn't, isn't turning out the way that I had anticipated, or if my ministry isn't doing well, or if my job's not doing well, or if my company's falling apart, or if whatever it is that somehow maybe God is stripping that away just to make sure that 
He's your glory. That He alone is your glory. It's, you're not getting your glory from your title. You're getting your glory strictly from God because who is David if he's not the king? He's a child of God. Who are you if you don't have your title? You are a child of God. You know, don't forget that in, in the really famous scripture in John 15 um, about the vine and the branches. Actually, I want to read that specifically. You know, God, uh, Jesus is saying, I am the vine and you are the branches, right? And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You know, I think sometimes when God is stripping us and, and, and tearing things away from us, we can feel like, what did we do wrong? Am I doing this wrong? What are the, am I in sin? What's going on? But you know, it actually says it's the, it's the branches that are producing fruit that he's going to prune. Maybe you're doing something right. Maybe the reason that God is working with you so strongly and stripping so much is because he wants you to produce even more fruit because you already are fruitful and he wants you to produce more. I mean, I don't think you're cut off. Just the fact that you're watching this video tells me that you haven't been cut off. So maybe you are a fruitful branch that just needs pruning. You know, I've had to remind myself of that um, a lot as God has been stripping me over this past year. That good, thank God. If I've been taking glory, get rid of it. You're right, God, I'm sorry. You know, I don't want the glory for myself. You are my glory. You are my righteousness. I have nothing apart from you, and I want nothing apart from you. I don't want anything. Um, there's this uh, other story where, you know, the Israelites are crying out to God, God, give us this, give us give us meat. We, we're so hungry. This is when they're in the wilderness. And he goes, okay, I'll give you meat. But with it came a plague. And I know I've been specifically praying, God, don't give me what I want if with it comes a plague. Strip me if you need to. Get rid of all my glory. I want you to be my glory. So he resets himself. He's resetting himself. Do you see this? He's getting his mind off the horizontal. He's putting it back on God. He's letting God, he's reminding himself, I don't need the circumstances to change. God is changing me. God is my shield. I. God is my glory. Oh, get rid of all my own glory. I, I probably have become too big for my own britches here. So that's good. And the last thing he says, he, that he holds my head high. You know, we humble ourselves and it's the Lord who lifts us up. He lifts our eyes so that we can see. He's the one that's reaching down and lifting your chin. I picture my children when they're feeling bad about themselves or they're really, you know, they're feeling a lot of depression. I want to lift their chin so they can see my eyes, so they can see how much I love them. That's why I'm lifting their chin, so they can see my eyes, that I love them. I'm not against them. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. I love you. And that's what God's doing to you. He's lifting your eyes so you can see the love in his eyes. Don't ever forget that. It's not bootstraps. You're not pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's not self-esteem. It's not becoming better at you, being you. It's not about self. It's about God and seeing yourself through his eyes. Because it's not Satan who gets to define who we are. I am who he says I am. You know, as these accusations come in against you through, through people's voices, they don't get to determine who you are, disciple. They don't determine who you are. It is God who says who you are. Use that song we've been singing lately, I am who you say I am, God. And I sing that with all of my heart because I need to remember that. It is God who renamed me. It is God who gives me a new name at the end written on a new stone. It is God who decides who I am. And that's what David did.
At the end of that, he says, I cried out to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. And I think this imagery of the mountain of the Lord in Jerusalem, this is where Jesus comes from. It is Jesus who answers. Jesus is my answer. You know, it's not Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is a whole nother mountain. It's an amazing study to study these different mountains that are referenced in the Bible. The law came down from Mount Sinai, but that's not where our hope comes from. Mm -mm. It's not the law. I can't even live up to the law. Thank God for Jesus who did live up to the law. He kept the letter and the spirit. Oh my gosh. I mean, oh, you know, that's why we praise him. That's why he's awesome. That's why he's amazing. He did it for us and he enables us to be right with God. My salvation comes from his holy hill, from Jerusalem where Jesus was born and Jesus was resurrected in Jerusalem. Okay, so David resets himself and he says, this is where I cried out and this is where my help came from. So what happens next? Well, he gets a good night's sleep. That's what happens next. He gets to be able to sleep and he can lay down and, and he wakes in safety because he knows that the Lord is looking out for him. He knows that it doesn't matter because after that it says, I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies. Now he, you know, he ups the ante. He says, I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who are surround me on every side. You know, at first it's like, oh, these people are coming against me. So many, so many, so many. And then it's like, you know what? Go ahead, surround me because I am inside the shield of God. You can surround me all you want. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You know, that reference. He knows God is on my side. I have nothing to be afraid of. God has determined who I am. He decides my identity. My identity is safe in him. I am safe in here. You know, actually, you could kill me. I'm good because I'm already living in eternity. I'm living with God now. I have already been saved. There's nothing you can do to come against me. So he rises in safety. And this is where he gets this big sounding, you know, that's okay. I don't care what happens. And this is what God does. When we take our fears to him and we get our mind off the horizontal, we go, it's all about you, God. I don't have to figure all this out. You've got it. Then he is able, we are able to feel this supernatural uh, courage this hope that defies reality. This is not his reality. He should not feel hope. Why should he? He's not safe. He's not really safe here in the world. He's safe spiritually. And so he has this courage, this unshakable courage, this peace that surpasses all understanding. That's where this comes from. So on that note, he's able to finish out. We'll finish out here. And he says this really bizarre thing, which it, it trips us up, where he says, Arise, O Lord, rescue me, O my God. Slap all my enemies in the face and shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. And you know, this is when, this happens many times in the Psalms where the psalmist will go off on evil people and, you know, he'll even talk about dashing their infants and, you know, killing them and all this stuff. And, you know, this makes us feel very uncomfortable because we're like, oh, now, now, David, you know, <laughs> we shouldn't talk like that. You know, it's not... And so we kind of want to correct David here, but let's not forget this is our model. You know, David is, he's laying it out there. And if you can't lay it out to God, who is God then? You know, God can handle it. This is where you lay it out. This is where you tell God all your raw feelings. It's okay. You give, you give your anger to him. This is where it's okay to have full vent to God only. All of your trepidation and all your worries and all your fears and all your, this is wrong, God. He's laying out the injustice and he's fighting evil. 
And I'll tell you, this is how I've landed on this, is that, you know, I don't know how to pray this up for people. I don't know. I, I, know that, I know that our enemy is not flesh and blood, but it is the powers of evil in, this, in the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, right? That's, where our, that's what our enemy is. And so I pray this. I pray against the evil. I pray that God will send his angels to push back the darkness. I pray that he will protect us from the evil one. And that evil comes through people sometimes, but I can't even tell who my enemies are. You know, sometimes we think we know who the enemy, are, enemy is and we're wrong. I don't have to pray against people. I pray against the evil. And, you know, this is really what's happening here is David is working this out because he is going against his own son. Do you think he wanted to do that? He didn't want to have to hurt his son. He didn't want to have to kill his son. He's saying, God, you deal with it. You deal with it. And God does deal with it. You know, ironically, in this passage, what happens to Absalom is that, you know, Absalom was sort of this man given to vanity. And so he had this beautiful, long, flowing hair. And somewhere in the battle, his hair actually gets caught in these low-lying branches. And he gets caught at least long enough to get someone to be able to put a spear through him, and he dies that way. And he's caught by his own vanity. You know, this is how we fight our battles is that God goes to battle for us. I, I don't have to defend myself. God is my defender, and he's going to work it all out. It is God. It says, victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. God is going to deal with the things that are coming to oppose you. God can handle all of your enemies. He can handle all of those trials. It's not our battle to fight. We pray in the midst of of the battle and he fights for us. So I hope you're getting something out of this about how to go through your fears, how to pray through your fears, how to have a dialogue with God about your fears and how to let him change you in the midst of them. And I hope this helps you until next time.